Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She'll teach you how to make it all alright. Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury, and I'm the trans handy ma'am. My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pal, it's me, your friendly neighborhood trans handyman and some stuff. <laughs> I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Maggie Conrad. Hi, everybody. <sighs> Maggie, they always go so crazy for you. <laughs> always. They love you so much. We are here in our new podcast studio, Maggie, in tropical Madison, Wisconsin. Tropical snowy Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's the first snowfall <laughs> of the winter season here in Madison, and it just simply reminds me that I don't know why I live here. <laughs> um, but Maggie, how are you doing today? Um, I actually really love the snow, so I'm excited. I came from Texas where it was 100 degrees most days of the year, so F that. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a big flip side. I, I think if you lived here your entire life, uh, snow just loses a little bit of its majestic abilities. And all it does, it just reminds you of how like awful it is to clear your car. <laughs> you know? Like this morning, I woke up to come to the studio, and the whole time I'm like, oh, I didn't winterize anything in my car. You know, <laughs> like I like don't have any of my tools. I don't have any of my scrapers in my car. I don't have my antifreeze in my car yet or anything like that. So I'm like, oh, I got to do all this today because I wasn't prepared. But speaking of being prepared, we have a wonderful episode today filled with wonderful questions about apartments, but also weatherizations. We have a few questions later on in the show about weatherizing your apartments and your homes and all the cool stuff. So that should tie you over for your knowledge of the winter season. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> also, just a reminder, my last burlesque show is on December 16th. Maggie, I got five more shows left. Only five. Only five one more hand. shows. Yeah. Yeah, and one hand. Well, don't say it that way. It makes me sound <laughs> that, that makes me so terrified. Aww. I feel so unrepaired. Um, to do that. But if you want to see me perform my last burlesque act, we are trying to sell 10,000 tickets currently for that show on December 16th. It's a virtual show you can watch anywhere in the entire world. If you're in Glasgow, that's okay. You can watch the show right meow. <laughs> <laughs> Glasgow, right meow. By going to my website, mercurystardust.com and getting yourself a ticket for the show. All that being said, it's going to be a really fun, over-the-top, very emotional show. I'm really excited. Some of my favorite performers of all time are going to be in that show. Um, and it's going to be great. We're already at 1,200 tickets total for that show. So it's a lot. It's a lot of pressure to make this happen. Yeah. But all the proceeds of that show are going to go to the Trans Handyman brand and all the good th stuff that we're doing here and into the studio we just moved in. And that brings up my next thing I want to tell everybody who's listening right now is that we just moved into a wonderful little workshop here. And we are looking for a name for this studio. Uh, we keep calling it the studio or the, the studio. shop or the <laughs> office. But those are generic names and I'm nothing about me is generic. <laughs> so we want to come up with a really cool name for this that can fit all the things that we're doing here. You know, we're part wood shop. We're part office space. We're part podcast studio, creator space, education, tool library. Community. Community. We're all the things that are in this little 3,000 square foot area right now. And I would love to have a name that feels us, you know, mm -hmm. incorporate Spacey some ideas. There has to be a space name out there that could really work. There could be a cool queer centric idea. Whatever it is, if you have an idea to name our studio, please text us at our phone number here for the Handyman Hotline, 608-205-8768. Just text us your idea and whoever comes up with the best one will... Either will me, Maggie, will pick because honestly, uh, trusting all of you to pick the right one makes me very terrified. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Maggie and I will pick our favorites. And then the person who wins essentially will get a $100 gift card to our merchandise shop 
at my website, including a ticket to the show on December 16th. So submit your ideas to the 608-205-8768, and we could pick your uh, idea to be our new workshop name. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, that sounds very <laughs> fancy. Okay, without further ado, do Maggie, are you ready to answer our questions of the day? Let's do do it. Let's do it. <laughs> We're cool. <laughs> Hi, this is a message for um, Mercury Stardust. First of all, I love your content. Second, and more to the point, um, I am living alone for the first time in several years and I'm in an apartment, so there's not you know, like a lot I can do to alter it. But the security on my doors is not great because of the way that my entrance is set up. It would not be hard for somebody to, like, have access to my doors. So I want to have good locks on them. Um, And I was just curious if you have any suggestions for securing, like, an outward swinging door. Um, So I have, like, security bars and, like, wedges and stops and stuff like that for the inward swinging door, but I have an outward swinging one also that goes out onto my patio. Um, And if you have any ideas for how to make that more secure, I would be very happy to hear them. Thank you very much. This is such a great question. I get this question all the time. A few months ago on TikTok, I answered a question by someone named Madison Calloway. Awesome person. I love her content. I love her as a friend as well. And she was posting a video about how her ex-boyfriend had access to her apartment and how terrifying it was for her. We ended up working with her and figuring something out. We helped her install an Adalock, which I think is one of the best devices we can use that are portable, but also very effective in the door and renter safe, which is always something we talk about for the trans handyman questions. But this specific question is one that has just racked my brain. Me and Maggie have went back and forth with this, debated about what's the best route. Because outward swinging doors are a hard one. And we've come up with some ideas that could work. Some are harebrained ideas. (laughs) Some are actually functional ideas. Other ones are just not. They're going to damage the door, damage the, the frame itself, like drilling holes in it and whatnot. But I... Right now, alternatively, I just don't know a better way, right? And I've told people this before. When we're dealing with safety, I want you to really think about property damage versus safety, right? And when we're talking to landlords, I think it's on the landlord to install a security lock of some kind. You know, a chain would be fine. That's a the, the least you could do, in my opinion, is a chain lock. Something that we found was called a security guardian or a lock guardian. A door guardian. Yeah, a, door it's, guardian? it's a lock locking system that is even better than a chain. And But all of those things require to drill into the frame, require to drill into the side of the wall. And renters won't want to do that instinctually because of avoiding our, you know, not getting a security deposit back, getting in trouble with the landlord, potentially getting evicted because of it. it. That would probably never happen. But some landlords are very sticklers about what they believe the rules are. And I believe very strongly that the renters should feel safe in their home. And in the world that we live in, I think it's very important. Especially as a single woman. Yes, especially as a single woman. And I will also say someone who worked in property management for a while and then seeing people have homes broken into Mm -hmm. and we also had doors that swung open like that i will tell you that yes they're harder to break into not impossible all you need is a flat bar and then you can easily jack them open to get in and that's a worry right like that's a very quick easy thing if you're mad at somebody you know if you have an inward um swinging door it all it takes is one big kick, and you can get in that way. That's why the Adalock or the security bars or even the wedges we've talked about on my TikTok before are so important because those will make it harder. Not impossible, but much harder, right? But the swinging outward door, okay? So here are some ideas that Maggie and I have come up with that I that we're going to try to do our best here. First and foremost, the chain lock that you can install, that's a $10 fix, $10 thing, is probably the best option, is the most affordable, it's the most widely known, and also it's the most easy to install, in my opinion. There's also the the lock guardian that Maggie and I have mentioned, which is basically a locking mechanism that just takes the, the door and just locks it, just like sandwiching the bar, 
in a certain position. Mm-hmm. They're also fairly affordable. They're about 20 bucks, but both of those will require some type of um, locking, like some type of like screw that goes into the door, right? Maggie and I, a few months ago, found a device that's great for when you leave the apartment, right? So if you're worried about someone getting into your apartment without your permission, there is a device that's called a lock out device, right? Mm-hmm. And the lockout device is basically a padlock for your door. So it goes right on your door handle and it could be on a round handle or they also have ones for the handles that um you know that curve the, out. Yeah. Yeah, the, the ones that are more like a handle rather than a knob. Yes. Right. Yeah, and it just covers that right up and locks with a key. Yep. Those are great. Uh I will say that there are some um Cons with that one because legally speaking, a landlord has to be able to have access to the apartment at all times um, if in case of emergency. So there could be some legal issues with that. And that's the thing where everything we're talking about without the permission of the landlord does become an issue, right? But again, pro and con versus your safety and not do what you think is best for time. As a temporary solution, I think that's good. Like if you're worried about someone getting back at you or someone who's breaking into your or, or, or a rogue maintenance technician who who you feel like you're not safe around, I think it's important to have that security. And if you're doing that every once in a while, I think that's probably on the side of okay. But it's all going to be what what is okay with the landlord. And I hate saying that, but that's kind of the truth. The last thing we're going to throw out there is a harebrained idea. But um, it's something that I I, I kind of was shooting back and forth. So me and the team here were walking through ideas, and I think I came up with a solution that could work. And that's essentially um, if you have something that's like long and extended, like a a, a two by four that can go inside the door itself, right? That can also hug around the doorknob. So essentially, if you have a doorknob that's elongated, like Maggie was talking about before, the one that has a handle, right? If you had a device that can wrap around that and then hug it and then is attached to something inside that's up against your frame, like like a locking mechanism of something that just can just sandwich together, just giving it a big hug, then when people try to open it from the outside because it swings out, it's butting up against the door, right? It's butting up against the door frame, which is basically making a blockade. Nothing like that exists, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Maggie and I were like, well, we better make sure we can patent this and sell it, you know? <laughs> um, copyright Mercury Stardust. Yes, copyright Mercury Stardust. But something like that would work. I'm, I'm convinced that would be a renter safe to go. And you could you could design them in a way that would, A, work for a handle, B, work for a knob, and could cause no damage, but will be an extra realm of security. And as I've said over and over again, nothing is going to prevent damage in the apartment if it's getting broken into. Nothing will, right? All of these devices, from the Adalock to the security bar to the wedges to the lockout devices, all of them will cause damage if someone breaks in, and all of them will fail at certain points in time, right? It's all about buying you time to get out, to get ready, to be safe, to call 911. That's how these devices are created. They're created to protect you and give you a little bit more time and maybe even deter somebody, right? Like if there is someone who's trying to break in and entering, they might be deterred by the extra effort, okay? Mm-hmm. But I want to prepare for you all who's listening to this understand it's not a 100% safe, get-out-of-trouble-free card. It just isn't the truth. But that's what the world we live in. Boy, this is a really fun one to open up the podcast with. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I want you to know that I picked the order of the po- uh, uh, of all the questions today, and for some reason I thought, hey, let's go with the darkest one to start with. <laughs> Maggie, do you have anything else to add here? Um, I mean, the only thing that I would say is when I was younger and I lived alone, I also got one of those like $20, um, you know, um, alarm systems that you could – you just put like a little sensor on the yes. each part of the door, on I the saw door frame and on the door. Uh, and then, you know, it's not connected to anything. It's not going to call any emergency services, but it will let out a loud, shrill noise to alert everybody that there's something wrong. And it'll let you know so that if you're like sleeping in the other room, 
you will be alerted to the fact that somebody is trying to open your door. Yeah, so. this person seems really knowledgeable and has a lot of their stuff kind of like together with having security bars for sliding doors. Yeah. All that is great. I want to add in here and say I agree with Maggie. Anything, you know, you can even get those for cheaper. You said 20 bucks. I think I've seen them for yeah, like, like 10 bucks. Probably 15 years ago. Yeah, and, and ba- all it is is just a loud noise that, that creates. Yeah. It doesn't alert anyone per se. There are some that do now that alert a security system. But ultimately, I think that's a great route, Maggie. I think anything that adds an extra security, I would also yeah. say great time to talk about security cameras. Um, what is the company that we bought our security cameras through that's pretty self-efficient? Um, we got Google Nest cameras. Yeah. The um, Nest cameras would work in a rental as well, right, Maggie? Yes. So, But they also have other ones um, you know, that are off-brand, might be a little bit cheaper. You can get battery ones where you just mount it on the wall and you could literally put it anywhere or they have ones that are wired in um, if you have like an outlet nearby that you can plug it into yeah. um, and I, a lot of them could do indoor or outdoor so okay. you can I would I would recommend so now so there are laws and restrictions depending on where you live like uh, some places say you can't have an like if you're living in an apartment complex yeah. you can't have a security camera pointed at uh, someone else's door and accident or windows and stuff like that but if you're doing like if you have an entrance into your home and it's right at the door or if there's a back door that you're concerned with, I do think adding them, some leases will stipulate that you cannot do that, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is outrageous. Yeah. But some leases will have that as a stipulation that you have to get their permission before you install something. Some don't. If there's no mention about security cameras, that's a green light to go. If there is a mention about it that is restriction, you do need to get their permission before you put it up. But my recommendation is that, hey, get one more layer of it. I know this is a lot of security stuff right out of the gate. But when we're talking about home, we should all have the right to feel safe in our home. We should all feel comfortable. And we should all not lose sleep over this at night. We should be able to feel safe in our own home. It's best for our mental health. It's best for the way we live. And I hope that all of this that we're laying out at least gives you a little bit extra confidence. And I think the Nest cameras are great because they're fairly self-efficient. Mm-hmm. Was this a good answer, Maggie? Did I answer this pretty good? I think it was good? great. Okay. Above and beyond. Okay. Would you say that I'm <laughs> one for zero or I'm all for one? What do uh, you think? I mean, you know, we didn't really I think, answer the question. <laughs> I, I think you did the best that you could with the information that is out there. Unfortunately, there's just not a lot for outward swinging doors. So, but, especially that are renter safe. Yeah. I think that is a big catch. Renter safe outward swinging door. There's a big market for help. Yeah. And currently, that we've found with all our research, could not find something. So, I'm going to say half a point. I'm <laughs> 0.5 Mercury on the board. Okay. Next one. Hi. I was hoping to get Mercury Stardust for the Trans Handyman hotline. I have a question about, I have my knives in my knife drawer. One of them was stuck in the knife block that's inside there. So I pull the drawer open, the handle hits the top. No matter how I maneuver it side to side, it will not allow me to open the drawer. And it's a pull-out drawer. So it has, like, the hinges on the side, but I can't, like, lift it up because the knife handle is, like, up towards the top. So I guess I could, like bust open the top part of the drawer. <laughs> it's been a week. All of our knives are on the counter. Anyway, I love you so much. I love this idea. Thank you so much. Bye. I can hear the frustration in this person's voice yeah. and my heart is broken. Uh, first of all, Morris, this person basically turned this into a Halloween hand trap. You know, <laughs> you don't know those Halloween yeah. traps where you put your hand in and you just guess what's inside. <laughs> Woo, this would be, be a surprise. Uh, <laughs> Okay, there's so many things here. I listened to this voicemail and I was like, isn't this an interesting one? Because without knowing what kind of cabinetry system we have, it's a little bit hard. Because sometimes you could look underneath the cabinet. Like if this is an open-ended cabinet, so when you open up other doors, like if this is by a sink, right? And you open up other doors, can you see the side of the railing can you see all the mechanisms can you see the metal components can you see the 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 wood components because we don't even know if it's a metal one or a wooden one we don't know right if you can see them your answer is pretty straightforward you can kind of get in there from the side and something like even a flathead screwdriver could just move it around I would say you definitely don't want to damage the front of the cabinet. You definitely don't want to rip anything open. You definitely don't want to do that because that's going to be more of a larger fix. If you damage the knife, that's a whole different ball game. 
But I would be careful because we're dealing with an open knife that's just kind of like <laughs> stuck. You know, if its pressure is against the inside of the cabinet and you're trying to release it, that pressure has to go somewhere. So that might mean the the knife might move and try to slide towards your hands and and stuff like that. So be careful. But then my suggestion would be if it's an open-ended side, right, Maggie? Mm-hmm. Go in from the side and see if you can wiggle something loose, if that makes sense. Like if there's another drawer next to it that you can take out yeah. and kind of access that Or way. even if there's a drawer underneath it. If you can go mm-hmm. up from underneath mm-hmm. it, even if you can just apply pressure to the bottom. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Just basically imagine you take the drawer out that's underneath it, right? Mm-hmm. And you just take your hand... And you press up against it, and you just slam your hand a couple times. Yeah, that might jiggle the knife enough to move it. I want everybody to know that Mercury <laughs> jiggled her hand. Yes, I it was, was gesturing. Very wiggly. I was gesturing it, and I was just like, my hand was wiggling real good. <laughs> um, but all that being said, that would be a, a suggestion. You know, it doesn't need to be a perfect fix where it's like, oh wow, and there's this device that can go inside and grab it. <laughs> it's a claw machine. You know, it's just. You don't need to get anything super fancy like that. You should be able to just slam it a couple times and try to get it to go. I would say even if you have a closed one that's on the side and you don't have any other drawers, if it's just like a closed mechanism and there's no way to get your hand in there, I think even just pounding the top of the countertop or pounding mm-hmm. the front of it might be enough to, to jiggle it loose if it, do- I'm saying jiggling a lot. I mean, I, I hope those who are listening to this. I, are- I just have that. My money don't jiggle, jiggle. jiggle. It, it folds. folds. <laughs> I'm just running in my head. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> when that was a really popular sound sound on TikTok, uh, me and my spouse Zizi would take our cat Nitro and we would we would jiggle him, and then we would sing. Uh, my cat doesn't jiggle, jiggle. He folds, and then we would jiggle him and then fold him in half. And Nitro would just look at us and be like, oh, boy. I um, bet he loved it, yeah, secretly. You know, he, Nitro does love to be jostled and played with. He loves being roughed around with. Um, he's a cutie. But anyways, when did this become cat talk? <laughs> <laughs> but all that being said, I believe that that is the simplest solution, right? Which is often the, the best solution is the simplest one. Mm-hmm. Now, if that doesn't work, if jostling it doesn't work and you're trying to jiggle the, the front and stuff doesn't work, then I think... Your next best bet would be to get something that can flex and coil, right? That can go up inside there that has a little bit more of a pressure to it. I would say this is a great place for for anything that has a little bit of a bend to it, right? Like a spring. If you had a metal spring that was a little bit thicker, like an $8 spring, and just put the spring in there and kind of like just move it around, that might be a great way to do it. Because again, when you put it inside there, if you just open it up a little bit, the spring is going to move things around and it might move the right combination around to get you in there. I think that is the best solution I got. What do you think, Maggie? Am I 1.5 now? Uh, I, Yeah. 1.5 one, one with a little jiggle oh, thrown in there. <laughs> Okay, so so I hope we did that one justice because I want to help that person so much. But also, I think the last thing we could say, though, is that sometimes the fronts come off. So if you can mm-hmm. get a little bit of that front open and you have just enough, let's say there's like enough for your hand to get in, right? You could, theoretically, sometimes the front comes off by just removing a screw that's right behind it inside of it. If there's a screw or two screws that remove the front and the whole front comes off, you might be able to see up in it a little bit easier and just kind of move it with your hand. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a knife, so be very careful. But Maybe grab some tongs or something. Yeah, instead. tongs would work too. They also make claws. They make claw tools that could work, but those claw tools are not – they're made for plumbing mm-hmm. to move mm-hmm. remove things from your drains. They're not great for like holding on to something, and I don't think they'll be very effective with a knife, but – could be. If it's a butter knife, it's different. I'm picturing like the most rigid like yeah. steak knife in the world or Danger. the most like a, like a great turkey carver. That's what <laughs> I am picturing in my head right now. So hopefully that's not the case. But okay, we're going to say that this was a win 1.5. <laughs> Mercury's doing great today. Hello there, handy ma'am. I appreciate everything you do for everyone. My question is, since I've been listening to your live right now on Monday, I am wondering what do you recommend to use that would help remove the gum that's left behind on windows, etc. when you take 
the winterization stuff down. I can never find a one-size-fits-all remover of the gummy stuff that's left behind. Thank you, friend. Have a good day. This is such a great question. And I was on my TikTok Live the other day, which I'm on basically daily, Monday through Friday, if you want to come say hi. Absolutely do. And I was trying to answer weatherization questions during the live. And I said, hey, give us a call if you if we're not answering your question or send me your weatherization because I want to try to answer as much of these as possible. And we are entering the season of weatherization, right? So what is this person talking about? Basically, we're talking about weather stripping is really common. Uh, we're also talking about like window filament. Those kind of things will often leave behind some type of residue that you can remove with scrapers. You can remove with some residue removers. Or, my personal favorite, your thumb. Uh, so, if we, I know Mercury always saying things that just make people angry. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to pressure and removing that stuff, a lot of the time, if you apply pressure with your thumb and you wiggle it around, <laughs> a lot of wiggling in this episode, if you, if you just rotate your thumb around it, right, that will kind of gum it up and remove a lot of it. If that's not going to do it, in this case, it sounds like that's definitely not going to do it. Then the thing that we're going to probably throw out there is Goo Gone. And Goo Gone is best if you leave it sit for 15 to 20 minutes. If you're just applying it and then you're just trying to scrape it away, it ain't going to do this job, right? So letting it sit, let it get saturated in it, let it really um, work its magic and then try to remove it that way, right? And and get yourself a good rag that's not a microfiber. Microfibers aren't going to – they just don't do crap. I don't like microfibers all that much. I think getting yourself an old-fashioned rag that's a little bit more of a textured, and that's going to help to kind of like wiggle it all off. You know what I mean? Just wiggle and jiggle. Wiggle and jiggle <laughs> is the name of this episode. <laughs> I'm totally going to name it. That. Wiggle and jiggle with Mercury Stardust as she approaches her last burlesque performance. Um, but all that being said, Maggie, do you have anything to contribute to this one? Because I feel like that's pretty. I, I what, what you want to stay away from is like paint thinners mm-hmm. and strippers that will damage the surface that you're working on. That will destroy the integrity of the wood and, yeah. and destroy the integrity of the paint as well. I'm also thinking like a plastic, a little plastic putty knife because you don't want to use the metal one on the on the window frame, but getting the plastic one. Um, you know, if you don't have, um, like nail, like you said, you're using your thumb or your nails, um, but a little plastic putty knife, uh, to help kind of scrape. I've used that with Goo Gone. We used to, I used to work in a waxing salon. There was lots of goo everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. We would have to clean it up. (laughs) So yeah, little, little plastic scraper knives work really great with, with Goo Gone. And you got to get it like, you know. Under there, because um, getting it between the gooey thing and the frame is what's really going to get it get it off. So kind of there was chipping a de- it away there was a, a device. Now here's another hairbrain idea. Uh, <laughs> you, I, I think that those are going to start being a theme. We're just going to throw in a hairbrain mercury idea every once in a while. Uh, I grew up in the farm, so when it comes to stupid half baked ideas, I'm I'm loaded with them. Um, but there was a device that a few weeks ago that I reviewed on TikTok that I gave a pretty bad rating to. Do you remember the cocking <laughs> finger? Do you remember the exactly cocking finger? Gonna say. Uh, so there's this device from this very enthusiastic man uh, who makes the cocking finger. It is a finger that you can like a rubber finger, a latex mm-hmm. finger, I think, that you can use to apply cocking and use it to smooth out the edges. So. His motto is, why wear out your finger when you can use mine? It's <laughs> like, like, way to go, buddy. Way and to thank go. Thank you. You had an idea, and you went with it, and you saw the market this was going to be, and you did it. I think of it as kind of a novelty tool. I'm not a big fan of it because it is – some professionals have went on about it. I just don't see – it's not very practical. And I had it for one day, and it became disgusting. Mm-hmm. Right, like it was mm-hmm. not it, washing that thing, and it sticks to everything. It just is a bad idea. I'm a really hairy thumb. I'm a yeah. No one wants a really hairy thumb. Oh God, Maggie. 
<laughs> but all that being said, there is a tool that I think is better than that called the cock devil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got Matt giggling in the corner here. <laughs> Sorry, I just sometimes I say things and I don't realize out of context how bad that sounds. But the cocking, we're adults. Yeah, we're adults. We're mature adults. There's a thing called the cocking devil. <laughs> And it is um, a wonderful tool that's multifaceted for cocking your tubs and windows and great. But back to the cocking finger. Basically, I think the reason why I brought it up is because I think it might actually be better at removing goo. I think that it might. I think you can rub that onto the rough surfaces and all the sticky stuff. And I think the finger is going to remove all the sticky stuff. And get it off. It is hard to talk about this and not die laughing. <laughs> but do what I did and paint the fingernail. Make it look a little bit more presentable. Yeah, you, you know? want it to look realistic. You want it to look realistic yeah, and pretty. Yeah. And go with mercury purple. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so I, I... I would give that a solid one and a half. One and a half? Yeah, and let's just round it up to three. I, I was going to say, I was going to give myself a whopping zero for this one. <laughs> okay, one and a half? Okay, we're going to say one and a half. We're at three. Mercury is three for three now, everybody. Um, okay, here we go. Hi, Mercury. My name's Kristen, and I live in Madison, Wisconsin. So I'm originally from the South, and I'm not used to radiators at all. But I don't think mine's working right. I've put in multiple repair tickets to my landlord, and they're not listening to me. It's cold to the touch, and it's November 8th. Um, the rest of the building seems to have heat, just not my unit. It's a studio apartment, and it's cheap. <laughs> um, so I don't want to have, like, a small space heater going all the time because the outlets aren't even grounded, so that's a fire hazard in itself, and the radiator should be working. I've put in multiple repair tickets. They're not doing anything about it, and I don't know what I'm doing to try and fix it myself, and I don't know even who to elevate this to, like if there's a government agency or something, or how I should talk to my landlord about how this is unacceptable, really. I bought a thermometer, and it says but it's basically all the time now that it's about 60 degrees in my apartment. So not dangerous, but it's cold. I don't want to be that temperature all the time. So if there's any advice on what to do, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. I always love having the Madison folks call us up because we're in tropical Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So I always feel like, gay. Hey. But I also feel like I know where this person lives. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they live on Willie Street. I feel like that is like some, someone lives in a Willie Street area. And the reason why I say that is because our sound engineer, who's right next to me right now, Matthew Allen Hag, great sound person, love him to death. He lives um, in the area. And last year I went to his apartment when he first moved in and I saw some things that to this day, I'm not fully understanding what the thought process was into these homes. And I got to tell you, this was some like the most, I saw electrical switch, Maggie, in a door frame. What? It was in a door frame. (laughs) And there was also a switch that was right underneath a cabinet where someone drilled a hole into the cabinet so you could put your hand in the hole and then turn off and on the switch. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying so hard not to cuss. These were some like wacky, inflatable arm style, like wacky (laughs) ideas someone had. But also, the one that was in the door frame, I should clarify that they also, when they put the switch in, right, they sheared off the tip of. Of the switch so the door could still close. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So I feel like this person probably lives in the Willie Street area. So if you yeah. do, whew, I'm sorry because uh it's our it's, heater is also not working on Willie Street. Yes, yeah. I would yeah, this is also funny. We're on Willie Street right now when we're recording this, and we're in a very cold uh, workshop because our heater is uh, gave out. So, but all that being said, let's kind of walk through a radiator and walk through the various things within radiator and seeing if we can help solve this problem. Now, if this it first and foremost, let me just clarify: I'm not going to tell you to do anything that's super unsafe here. I'm just going to talk about checking the valves and checking the radiator itself and try to problem solve because I want you to be, maybe there is something that's fairly simple here that we can help you with, but ultimately we're going to talk largely about what to do and how to make sure that you're taking care of going into this, right? Now, first and foremost, there will be some type of valve on the side 
of your radiator. In Europe, it's called a lock shield valve, and that lock shield valve is basically the same thing here. We just call it like an on-off valve, right? That valve, when it's closed, no water or anything is going to come through the system, and that's going to prevent it from getting hot, right? So you want to make sure it's open all the way up. Lefty-loosey is typically the way to go. So if you take the cover off that valve and you see a switch of some kind that you can, like, turn open, it's basically like a water shut off. But mm-hmm. but it's on your radiator, right? And for those who don't know who ra- how radiators work, they're basically steam. You're basically just talking about how water, boiling water is coming from the bottom, mixing with the cold air, which makes the steam, which raises it above, right? If you are having air in your system, if there's air in your radiating system, right, Maggie? The way you can tell that is if there's hot air on the bottom and cold air on the top. Mm-hmm. That's usually how you can tell that it needs to be flushed and you need to get the air out of there. I don't recommend doing that by yourself. But if you know that's the case, then that can help you. But back to the opening up the valve. If you can open up the valve lefty-loosey and making sure it's all the way open and you're still not getting any hot air, then we need to talk to a professional, right? Like, I wouldn't recommend doing this work yourself or anything like that, right? But there should be two pipes going to it. One is essentially bringing all of the water in, and one is called a return uh, line, right? That return line, I think that one should be cold, and the other one should be hot, right? If you're feeling the pipes and neither are hot, then you're having more of an issue. But if one is hot and one is not, then... We're talking about that valve itself not being open, if that being that, that makes sense, Maggie. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing you do. That's the first troubleshooting that you do. Everything else should involve a professional, right? Because radiators are no joke. They can be dangerous. I don't want you to do something you're uncomfortable with. And also working with an older apartment, which it sounds like you are in here in tropical Madison, Wisconsin, can be a feat in its own. And I don't recommend doing that yourself. So... What do you do? Landlord doesn't do anything. You put it in multiple tickets, not going to get it done. I would hope that by now it's fixed. I would hope by now, middle of November, this has been like over a week since you called us. I think by now it should be fixed because this is now approaching emergency. Yeah. Right? Maggie knows this. We've talked about this before. It goes It's going into the book that we're writing right now, and that is essentially what it classifies as an emergency. Once we hit the winter months, once we're in the middle of winter, and in Wisconsin, the first day of winter is like November 15th, technically, mm-hmm. right? Like, Which is a, like literally the day we're recording this right now, which is the first snowfall of <laughs> winter here in Wisconsin. But once it hits a certain month, there's few things that can't happen. Gas and electric can't turn off. In your apartment, right? When gas and electric can't turn off in your apartment, they better fix your heat. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's the way I, I view it. So it becomes illegal for them to turn off your electric and your gas in the winter months in Wisconsin and most Midwest and northern states because of winter because, you know, you could die if you don't have that on, mm-hmm. right? That, that can That's really dangerous for us to be sleeping in cold weather like that. But all that being said, my hot takeaway of this one is if they haven't repaired it, they're usually given 48 hours to respond to the situation, right? They had to have made efforts within the first 48 hours in the state of Wisconsin with an emergency in order to solve that problem. If they haven't done any effort to solve that problem, then we're talking this can be moved up to a court. This can be moved up to the tenant resources. You can call folks and try to get a response to this. In Madison, your best response is tenant resources and to describe this as an emergency related to heating your home. That is kind of what you're up there. They're going to be able to tell you fairly quickly what's going on. And also, if you send this to property management, like bypass the, if you're talking directly to a maintenance person, bypass the maintenance person, go right to property manager and Mm -hmm. tell them this and then be, and then respond with the ordinance of the law. Say right there, according to statute 17, blah, 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 of the Wisconsin state tenant code, blah, 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 blah. Here's what it is. And then I bet your bottom dollar they're going to respond so quickly, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hate that that is the reality, but that is where I would go. There is nowhere else for you to go in the state of Wisconsin with this problem. Um, You know, calling the police or anything like that, nothing that will, will, will matter in the state of Wisconsin because... Our laws here are pretty flex. But when it comes to this specifically, heating yeah. is no joke. You don't mess with a tenant and their heat uh, 
in the middle of winter, and we just started winter. So if they don't respond now, they're they're definitely in some hot water. <laughs> and one thing that you always say is to document everything. So every phone call, every text message, every email that you've you know spoken with the landlord about this. If you had a conversation that was on the phone or in person, follow it up with an email and say, hey, this is what we talked about at this time. Um, you know, Mercury has drilled that into my head <laughs> yeah, yeah. for renters. Document, document, document. Document everything all the time, every day, all the time. <laughs> it's going to protect you in the long run. But yeah, Maggie, do you think that's a fairly g- good answer on that one? I honestly think, though, from what they are demonstrating us, because we didn't get their pronouns. We got to make sure. If you call us, by the way, leave our pronouns so we know who you are. Um, but all that being said, um, this person sent this question in, right? And I believe that it's probably going to end up being the valve is stuck closed. That mm-hmm. Because often those are closed. And over time they close them or they work on them and they close them for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be the case. And I think that might be a shocking, easy fix. That's what I think it might be. So Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. So we're going to say, let's give me a point twenty five. I think that, you know, the answer is kind of there. What do you think, Maggie? I think you undersell yourself. Okay, okay. Maggie, we're one. not this is not therapy for Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna say four to make Maggie happy. <laughs> Hello, I absolutely love your content. I have a question for you. My partner may have stripped that little like knobby thing for the hot water shut off under uh, our kitchen sink and we have no idea what to do. He was gonna go and buy like a little kit and I'm just thinking Maybe we should just call a plumber because it seems kind of dangerous at this point. What would you suggest? I have an inkling you'd probably say call a plumber, maybe. But I would love to know what you suggest. Thank you. I love you. Bye. Okay, here's my easiest answer of the day. Call a plumber. Let's go, Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) I think that what made me laugh about this one so much is that, like, um, in, in the the farm girl in me, the person who thinks she can fix everything inside my head, I'm just like, I could do that. <laughs> this is the person who gets happy when things break. Yeah, this is true. Don't my instinct is probably not what you want to follow. Uh, Maggie, the other day we had a sub pump break here at the studio. Uh, we had our, our old landlord who was just moving out the day we moved in because he sold the building was trying to install the sub pump. And he tried, he, he, bless his heart, he tried real hard. <laughs> bless, his heart. bless his heart, he tried real hard. The nicest man, <laughs> the nicest man. But I had a feeling because it was like 8 o'clock at night and he was working on the cell pump that we were going to have some issues with it. The, two days later, me and Maggie are at the kitchen sink and I'm getting ready to film a video. Um, and then Maggie said to me, uh, no, no, I noticed that the water was leaking underneath there and I was like, oh. I think he fucked something up. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, we, Maggie filmed the video of me just opening up the sub pump, and I said exactly what was going to be the problem. And I was right, it wasn't was. I? You were I right. I was 100%. <laughs> uh, and this farm girl in me, the mentality of like, her is just like, well, you know, you fucked it up. Uh, <laughs> um, but essentially what it was was the the, out, the water outtake valve busted. He, he must have cracked it when he put the sub pump lid on, which is very common. But when we're talking about this problem, right, when we're talking about water itself and we're talking about doing anything under our kitchen sink, there are some routes we can go. If this is your home, which it sounds like it is, you can easily just shut off the whole water to the whole building. Mm-hmm. And that is going to make this a lot safer. Right. If you can't isolate the problem, then I wouldn't recommend it. If this isn't your home and this is a rental, uh, you should absolutely not be doing this. Um, the problems that could happen are pretty vast. And as someone who has done wet work before, and wet work is essentially when you work on something and you can't turn the water off. Mm-hmm. If that sounds like a bad idea, it almost always is. <laughs> um, I sat there and I've done jobs where I've like wrapped the whole interior side of the uh, of the cabinet with plastic and wore a rain jacket and, oh, <laughs> and with, with goggles and just went, today's my day, and opened <laughs> the valve up. Hope for the best. Uh, and you're, you get soaked, but you can do it. And there are circumstances where that's a real thing that you have to do 
But I don't recommend to do that as someone who's like a hobbyist or a DIY person. I don't think that's a great route to go. Even as someone who has certifications in plumbing, I will tell you that it's almost always a stupid idea, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, my answer would be have a plumber do it if it's not your – like like call the maintenance technician. Call the plumber if it's not your – your home. If it is your home, turn off the whole water to the building. Triple check that it's not coming out of the sink. And then you can easily install it. Those shutoff valves are really not that terrible to install. Like if you have copper underneath there and you just have to sweat the copper to put everything together, you know, even if you use uh, snake bite fittings and stuff like that, I can't, I always forget if they're called snake bite or if they're called shark bite. I think they're called snake bite fittings. Are there shark bite fittings? My sound technician, who's not even Mike, just answered me. Um, <laughs> no, a shark, a shark bite fitting uh, is basically uh, exactly what it sounds like. It's just a fitting that fits into its, itself with uh, a very tight uh, teeth-like motion that cuts into it and and and, and firms and, and tights it in there. It's not like a permanent solution that can last like 30 years. But, I mean, some of them are installed for 20 years now because it's been around for a while, and they're working pretty good. Hmm. Some plumbers hate shark bite fittings and some don't. But I think that if that's your route you go and you're installing a shutoff underneath your own sink, I think a shark bite fitting is fine because you can always access the shark bite fitting. If something goes wrong, it's still very accessible. If it's in your wall and you're drywalling it, I oh, think that's yeah. a little bit of a different story. I will stay away from that. I think copper and I think like solid piping is always better than doing something like, you know, PEX is always going to be better in that realm. But if we're talking about something that's accessible, I don't think there's anything wrong with a shark bite fitting. Um, and I think it makes it way more accessible for people to do things in their home. And if they know the risks of those kind of things, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I also think that people try to worry things a lot and they try to make sure they basically gatekeep knowledge in order to make sure their jobs yeah. are suited. And I sometimes hear plumbers say, oh, don't use shark bite fittings when the only way you can do it otherwise is to get a $2,000 tool that can properly crimp everything. Yeah. So it's like... Okay, I guess that makes sense, but that's not ideal for me, you know. So, yeah, I think sharp bite fitting is a, is a way to go in that instance. Okay, did I answer that one? Did I answer yes, it? Absolutely. Wow. Okay, so we're just going to say I'm five for five. Five for five. Five for five. For five weeks left. Oh, until I um, hang up my G string. There we go. Yeah, well, there you go. Way to bring it right back around, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> the show is wonderful. <laughs> so that being said, this is what we're going to call a segue. Woo, segues. I know what I'm doing. That was a terrible segue. Uh, but <laughs> we also want to acknowledge that we are always learning ourselves. Right, Maggie? Yeah. We're always learning new things. And also, we've already answered quite a few questions on this podcast, even though this is episode number three. Um, so we got some wonderful calls and suggestions for ideas, and we would love to share this with you. So let's share the first suggestion we got. Hey, Mercury. My name is Zoe. Um, I just listened to the episode on finding studs in the wall, and I wanted to share a trick that my wife taught me. So we've always lived in really old buildings, really old houses, and this has saved us a whole bunch of times. And so what we do is we look at the baseboard and look like for the tiny little nail hole. And sometimes if they're like 14 or 16 inches apart and consistently, uh, that's how we know that that's where they nailed uh, the baseboards to the studs. And so that has always been our trick uh, for really reliably finding a stud in old houses. Thanks. Love your show. Bye. Such a good one. I've heard this one many times. I like it. I think it works most of the time. There are some times where that isn't necessarily true. And I think that's important to remind people that. But in combination with the magnet, in combination with the tapping your knuckle on the wall, in combination with all those things, I think that's almost better than a stud finder, and I like it. So thank you for sending that one in, Zoe. Thanks, Zoe. Uh, Maggie, did you learn something new? I did. I had not ever thought about that or heard that before. I love it because typically <laughs> it's it goes higher than the 2x4 that's down there, and that's what they're talking about. Yep. It goes right into the wall, and that's why it's so important. So way to go. Great suggestion. Thank you, Zoe. Maggie, say thank you. Thank you, Zoe. <laughs> Hi, Mercury. This is Christine calling in again, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to answer my cat tree question in such a thoughtful way. I was just 
uh, standing in my apartment and, and remembered that the last time I had the maintenance man in my apartment a couple weeks ago, and I was pointing out some odd things that I noticed and, and asking him, like, do you know why this is done? And he just goes, idiots. They're all just idiots. And then it just dawned on me today, wasn't it him that did it? <laughs> Anyways, I just thought that was a funny story, and it made me think of your video of the different professionals putting screws into a piece of wood. <laughs> I'm still sending you and everyone on your team lots of love and kisses and support. Can't wait to see you blossom more than the beautiful flower that you already are. Bye-bye. Boy, I feel heard. Uh, <laughs> I feel like uh, in, in the maintenance world, if we're not able to throw someone else underneath the bus, I don't think we're doing our job properly. Uh, you know, one of the, the, the there's two requirements for a maintenance technician. One, uh, you got to make sure you wear uh, pants that are right below your butt cheeks. Uh, the right, you know, you got to be able to show your crack every uh-huh. once in a while, Maggie. And then second of all, you got to make sure that you were always ready and willing to throw your friends and your peers underneath the bus. <laughs> and I got to tell you, that's what they did right here. I will say that's probably, they probably did not do it. The turnover rate yeah. for maintenance technician is incredibly high yeah. uh, in the United States, uh, even though there's a shortage of maintenance technicians typically. But I would say... Maintenance technicians go from apartment complex to apartment complex pretty often. It's not that uncommon. Most of the people that I worked with in uh, property worked there for maybe a year to two to three and moved on. The ones that hung in there for 25, 30 years were typically the worst kind of people. Oh, <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I love you. Thank you for being a, a listener, but you can't tell me I'm wrong. Uh, you know, they're so entrenched in the system yeah. that they don't really see how they often contribute to that broken system. But I will say that uh, this joke rings very true. And every single technician, every single handy person I ever met was always willing to say, well, that was a dumb idea. But then when they start doing the job themselves, they're like, oh, that's why they did that. (laughs) (laughs) So this was a wonderful episode of the Handyman Hotline. I want to say thank you all for calling in. If you have any suggestions, tips, or tricks yourself, or if you have questions for us going into the next couple of weeks, please call us at 608-205-8768. That's 608-205-8768. And we could use your question, your tips, and your ideas on the podcast for future weeks. As always, thank you so much for calling in and supporting this show. Thank you for making this currently still in the top five for the how-to and educational. We're number three right now. We're still doing pretty good. Uh, Thank you. Share this with your friends. Share this with everyone in your life. Help them learn with us as we are doing this podcast. And as always, thank you so much. And remember, you're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. Bye-bye. Bye. So grab your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to. You're worth the time it takes to be you. She'll teach you how to fix your house, how to fix it by yourself. The trans hand.